Welcome to Masters of Business, a show that gives you real-world techniques, cutting-edge strategies, and extraordinary insights for managers and leaders who want to develop the business acumen needed to go faster and farther in their business careers. Now, here's the master himself, Stephen Haynes. Hi, my name is Stephen Haynes, and this is the first official recording for Masters of Business. Uh, Masters of Business is a podcast or a, a show that I have been thinking about for a really long time. So I'm going to use this first episode to, to talk about what I've been thinking about, to share some ideas, um, to evoke perhaps a response from you as a listener or for people who you know may, may be um, potential listeners. So I think it, the, the way I would go about doing this is to give you a little bit of a resume because just starting a show, like a lot of people do, because they have an idea, um, is one thing. This, this field is incredibly crowded. And so, so, so what I'm thinking about is, um, how can I make something different that um, will appeal to a broad array of people who are interested in improving their capability as a business person, as a leader? And, and the area that I have chosen to focus on is business acumen. And I've started an entire new company um, to focus on that, but, but I'll put that aside. So I'm, I'm going to go back to my childhood. And when I was a little kid and, and we weren't a family of means, and there was something about the things that were clicking inside of my head that um, were aspirational. I, want, I saw other kids have stuff um, and I wanted stuff. And um, But if we didn't have any money to get stuff. I figured I'd have to go find a way to get some money. And um, I found a whole host of things to do, um, whether it was painting fences or shoveling driveways or <clears throat> just just um, looking for odd jobs to do because that was the only way that I, I figured I could hustle up a, a buck. And, and throughout my adolescent years, finding places to work, um, you know, cutting grass or working in an ice cream store, or um, I worked in a stockbroker's office. Um, I did a whole host of things, worked all the way through college. I, I knew when I was about 14 that I was going to get an MBA. I don't understand why, but I figured there was a, a path to corporate success to secure some of my financial future and, and things like that. But, you know, the, the, just because you have aspirations doesn't mean that things are easy. And um, I'm sure any one of you listening will understand more about the challenges that you've had, um, the challenges you see other people have, and so on. But, you know, there, I, had two, I always had these two perspectives. One is the perspectives of me, the perspective of me being in me in the moment, and the me sort of looking from above, I know it sounds really weird, right? But um, observing myself and sometimes being able to intervene um, and sometimes not. So that sort of subconscious presence always knew that there was sort of something else and there was some, some guidance in that. 
but but as I went through school and I, I you know got a got a, a job after school and I had a, a bunch of different jobs. Um, I, I I also when I was in school, I, I figured I needed a trade. So um, my trade was was corporate finance, and ended up having a few different jobs, both in the defense electronics, like defense electronics firm, um, a medical products company, and things like that. And and I and I ultimately ended up in um, a company called AT and T. And um, in that company, uh, I was actually brought into their their IT infrastructure, their data center business. Um, some of the challenges that they had were they they had these these departments that were making claims on computing resources, but they weren't necessarily paying their fair share. The way I would put it is they didn't understand the value they were getting. And so the, a lot of people were getting a bargain for a lot of stuff. And I was a, I was a young kid at the time. And my bosses said, could you figure out a way to normalize this? And, and I became a student of, of the IT infrastructure. Um, but, you know, in, in my earlier jobs as a financial analyst and, and so on, I, I learned how a company worked. I, you know, when you're doing budgeting and forecasting and you're working with every operating department in the company and you're going one-on-one -on -one with all of the, the, the bosses or the leaders of each of these departments, you, you build a perspective on the world of how things fit together. And, and there's, I have a little bit of a natural affinity toward the ability to connect the dots and to see how things operate and interoperate. And I want to go back to sort of this AT&T job in the data center business, because I, I took that experience that I had of, of understanding how people worked in different departments and, and what they did and how they did it. And I, and I mapped out all the different functions, all the different operating departments that were using computing resources. And then I remapped the infrastructure that had to serve them and was able to come up with a way to recalibrate the infrastructure um, as well as to provide um, value to the end user departments. And I, I came up with this idea of a for-profit, non-profit inside of a, a large corporation, which resonated really well with my bosses. And at that time, what they what they said to me was, well, um, we want you to move into product management. And I said, no, I really don't want to do that. And they said, well, yeah, we do want you to do that. And so when your executive directors are telling you to go be a product manager, you go learn how to be a product manager. And I I did I did want to do international business. And, and I like the idea of, of owning something like a business or a product. And I went to a five day class and I, I was hooked because it, it, when you're a product manager, you really are sort of a business owner, a product is a business inside of a business. And so therefore, um, doing that work allowed me to fine tune my craft as a business person and help me to continue on my, my business journey. But the thing that used to bother me incredibly was how other people in different departments how a person in IT or a person in marketing or a person in operations, they, nobody, nobody really understood what everybody else did and didn't necessarily have an appreciation for that. And I, that, that thing in the back of my head, whether it's a subconscious or looking at things, allowed me to begin stitching pieces together. And as I had been evolving in my career, this idea behind connecting the dots or seeing how things worked or looking at cause and effect 
um, became profoundly impactful to me in how I went about doing the work that I did on a day-to-day basis. And, and I try, I mean, listen, I, as I, as I look back, I don't know that I, I was always like the best, most um, collaborative person. Um, I had to learn a lot about people and people's skills. And it's something that I continue to learn about, but I, I was passionate and I was committed and I was determined. Um, I, I, de- I discovered resiliency. I not that I wasn't, but that um, it was an actual vocabulary word that I can apply to a business person. And as as you go through your your business career and as you develop as a leader, you start to see these things. Okay, you start to see behaviors. You start you start to see attributes of people and how people interact with one another. And and I think. As in, in, in my world of product management, that became um, profound. And as I moved up in the world of product management and moved into a more um, progressive role in a different company called Oracle um, back in the dot-com era, because um, I can call it an era now, um, it, it, was, it was the Wild West. It was the Silicon Valley. It was the, you can do anything. It was from the conservatism of a, of a major corporation like an AT&T at that time to a sort of a Wild West um, software company, um, I, I continued my learning journey and I continued to apply my own mental benchmarks to things that worked and things that don't work. Uh, I, I want to backtrack for a second because I, I left something out because when I did work at AT&T, I did work on a, a corporate task force. The task force was focused on product management excellence. And um, over a period of several years, there was a tremendous amount of anthropomorphic work that was done in benchmarking other companies. Um, and, and the main idea was how do you assess what a company does in terms of a practice or, or some method that equates to business and or product and or portfolio success. And those benchmarks um, and and that process of benchmarking has served me quite well over the years. So as my Oracle career wound down, um, one of the things that I had learned was that um, um, product management didn't belong reporting to a development function, number one. Um, it it, It sort of needed its own home. Um, and I didn't think it was going to be there. And so I decided to um, take a, a shot and, and become an entrepreneur myself. And, um, and I started a company called Sequent Learning, which um, focused on training product managers. And uh, the, the thing about that venture and, and boy, oh boy, was that a scary venture what, for me, you know, for a person who's a fairly fiscal conservative um, um, based on my background and upbringing and all that other stuff um, was really bold because I sometimes, you know, this is going to be interesting, right? Um, you, you, what you see as a, um, as something rosy um, is, is really, really difficult. Like one of my life lessons is, you know, um, starting a business is a whole lot harder um, and takes a whole lot more effort than um, putting something in a business plan. And having a good idea doesn't necessarily mean, mean it's going to go see the light of day if you don't know how to actually do it. And um, there is no book for it. Um, I can write books all I want, but there isn't, you know, the instruction manual for your brain, um, which is really where I want to go with this ultimately. Um, 
so so starting sequent and working through it and one of the things i i realized um in the earlier days of that company was that training classes don't fix companies um executives help to fix companies but you need a whole lot more um to create an organization with a culture that is hospitable to ideas and innovation um and 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 even you know sort of bucking the trend while not um living up to a shareholder expectation all the time um and circumventing some things so that you can um be more innovative and be more competitive but again topics for for other days so as i as i as i've worked with sequent over um a couple of decades and continue to do so this day um probably a few years ago um one of the things that i had realized through the literally tens of thousands of people who've passed in front of me over the years um in my courses um had to do with um integrative thinking um some people can call it horizontal thinking you can call it holistic thinking you can use whatever word you want to see how things work and how things operate and interoperate as a matter of fact you know when 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 i have done product management courses or when i've worked with companies and their product teams and others believe it or not you you the way i see things is that um people view their role in an organization from a vertical standpoint people sometimes use the term silo or a functional silo again the the term um doesn't expose the truth which is that even though people believe they're operating um on behalf of the whole they tend to be operating on behalf of the job they have to do and the function from which they come and the bosses whose 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 judgments and and who who are being evaluated by senior executive teams um are more on the performance of that department not necessarily on the performance of a whole um in some companies then listen there are tre tremendous numbers of companies who do powerful jobs of of creating hospitable cultures and innovative environments and those are the benchmarks those are those are the kinds of companies we aspire to but i go back to what is actually happening in the minds of people i recall a time um many years ago i was interviewing a um a senior executive at a, one of the big banks in canada and he was talking about how um the people who were going into some of the leadership roles um whether they pro be product or otherwise had to be um spotted like like talent spotters or um if if you have a sports team you have people who roam around and go to the to the lesser leagues and they go to the colleges and they're looking for talent a certain type of talent and and I took that really seriously as I started to evaluate people who were in my workshops who were attending and participating and you can see where some people where where the gears are turning and how they are putting things together 
And and I and it reminds me of myself sometimes of how you know my, the gears inside of my head are always always spinning. Sometimes it just it just will not shut up. And and it's there's a, there's a thirst for wanting to understand and to and to put things together and to to act on behalf of the organization in in a, in a, a most positive ways, even when there are a lot of obstacles. And I started to really. N- drill into this idea behind what was that thing. I couldn't even, I didn't even understand the word because the words were not coming to my, my lips, even though there is a, a, a term that, that does exist. And I, and I, on another note, because I am wandering a bit, um, sometimes I, I look at some alerts, like a Google alert or something like that. And I look at um, what are some people doing and why are some people getting promoted to, to new jobs and they would always say, well, it's because of their business acumen. And when I started to look at that term and put it under a microscope, it became a little bit more clear to me. And then then there was something else. Um, I was doing a an onboarding program for, for one of the banks in New York and um, a person who had been training in the area of business acumen um, was literally training people because um, he left his or she left their material in, in, <clears throat> in my classroom. Um, they were training people on financial acumen. Finance is not business. Finance is a part of business, just like product development is a part of product management. The a development process isn't, isn't the business of the product. And, and people do get drawn to certain things because they believe that if they can latch on to something and there's something predictable or linear about it, then they can sort of follow the steps and become experts in that. And that's also not such a, a great thing to build business acumen. So I started to do some experimentation. And um, the one, one of the outcomes was a book called The Business Acumen Handbook. And I started to think about, um, so what, am, what else am I going to do with that? Um, what was my goal? I asked myself, well, my goal was to help people think like business people think like a general manager, think like a CEO, not be a CEO, not be a general manager per se, but to build the awareness and the cognizance and the experience, um, and the skill set to develop business acumen. And by the way, just because you say the word and because you think you want to be doesn't necessarily mean you are because you need a path. And when I think of a path, I think of a strategy. And and a strategy is sort of built around this idea of you've gone down a road, you're someplace now, you've got to figure out what you want to do. Um, you have to envision what that future state might look like, and you have to build some steps to get there um, and some goals you want to achieve. And even looking at goals and the steps or goals and the, the plan or whatever else you want to talk you about, talk about your strategy, doesn't go in a straight line. And what I have discovered about strategic planning even is the fact that many people who are um, either vertically aligned or linear thinkers want to follow the path. Even if you look at corporate strategic planning processes, they're sort of linear. They start in June and they end in December. Somebody loads up your checkbook and boom, you're done. Um, but strategic planning is a whole lot more dynamic. But if I pull myself back for a second and say, well, strategic planning is 
it requires a strategic head, a strategic brain, um, a brain that, or, or a mindset or a mental model of the world that you have now. So a model is a visualization and a mental model or a visualization of some future state. And the wherewithal to understand all of the dynamics of your environment, both from the outside and from the inside, to figure out what are the most appropriate steps that will yield the most or the, the, the optimal results. Maybe not the best, but what's optimal. And I think of that when I think about business acumen. That business acumen is sort of this portfolio of skills and experiences and things like that, that will help a person along their both career journey and to help a company in the achievement of its own strategic goals. And the meshing of those, the building together of those capabilities takes some time. And the way I have seen this and the way I am now envisioning how to both build this podcast, build this show, and to build what I see as a new community is to break the mold out of leadership development and all these great, um, and really, and I, I don't mean to slight any of the other shows or broadcasts that are in the world about these things, because I think they are invaluable, but we don't have a lot of time. And I want to become more impactful by catalyzing thoughts. Now, I don't have a monopoly on creativity and on all of these thoughts. Sometimes they're fleeting. Sometimes they hit me in different places, right? But other people do. And whether I have a thought or an idea to spark an idea or an action that will help a person take another step forward in building their business acumen, then perhaps I will have become more successful as well. And so what I want to try to do in this show is to help you to build the mindset, to build the mental models that will help you regardless of where you are, right? So if you think of each person, you are a a strategic plan by yourself. You're all taking a different pathway. You've all come a certain number of steps. You all have various experiences. And now you want to fine tune yourself to get ahead. Some of you are naturally inclined and easy studies. Uh, You have great mentors and things like that. And some of you don't. So there are a whole host and, and probably tens of thousands, if not millions of you who may benefit from listening to this. And what I, what I really hope for is that you and I can speak together from time to time, whether I do this in monologue format, whether I do this with guests, because I do plan on having um, a number of guests and maybe every couple of weeks or every month we'll launch another cast and you can sort of learn from that. And then I will watch, I will take note of what's going on. And, And my antenna, my business acumen antenna, they're up. And and I want to hear and I want to learn. I want to learn from you. I want to impart some of the wisdom that I've gained um, throughout my career and how I am learning and growing along my career journey. So with that, I hope you will continue to listen, recommend, um, and join me 
on my journey as you become a master of business. I'm Stephen Haynes, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Masters of Business with Stephen Haynes, a podcast that captures the ideas and lessons learned from thinkers and leaders in business. If you'd like to take your company to the next level, consider the courses and books from the Business Acumen Institute. To learn more, go to business-acumen.com.